The Earth Wants You is a project of the Church of Stop Shopping, a radical performance community based in New York City. We rely on you. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you want to support our work, and what is our work? We resist consumerism. We resist the military. We resist the commodification of the earth and her resources. Earthaluya people, join us. Revbilly.com. Welcome, children, to the earth. The earth wants you. Here on your radio dial, coming out of your computer, it's the earth wants you with Savitri D. Amen, Savi. And Savitri's co-host, Reverend Billy. Hello. <laughs> and this is a project of what? The Church of Stop Shopping. We're here in downtown Brooklyn at the Commons Cafe. Today, African Elephants. And David Bowie. Ricardo Dominguez of the Electronic Disturbance Theater. And miracles coming to us from evolution. Plus a little update on Ravi Ragbir's situation. Ravi, Ravi Luya. Now we're going to work on that theme. We're going to work on that on that idea that things are coming to us from the natural world that will help us in our fight back against Trump, white supremacy, nationalism, mm. misogyny, mm. this evil rising around the world. Where is it coming from? It's fascinating. You say uh, we're going to fight. Uh, we're going to take information from the natural world. To fight, to fight for the natural world, right? But will the will there be any natural world left mm-hmm. to take information from? Is the question. I think the answer, the, the 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 sneak answer, is that the natural world is inside of us. If we, if the EPA manages to napalm every national forest left, we still have. We're still walking radicals. We have the natural, the natural world within us. That's right. That's right. Amen. The last border will defend is the one the only border will defend is the one that separates me from Donald Trump yes Wait. that's it that's it no 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 stick with that write it down <laughs> print it out we got a new printer today print it ladies and gentlemen on that apocalyptic note let's go straight to the earth news it's To news from the natural world. I'm Savitri D. By 2050, many of the world's major cities will face surface water shortages, spurring regional conflict and competition for scarce resources. More than 100 cities containing millions of people will have water demands outstripping surface water supplies by 2050. Currently, about 54% of the world's population lives in cities, which is likely to grow to between 60% and 92% over the next 80 years. About 27% of people in 2050 will be living in a city with a surface water shortage. Los Angeles, California, Jaipur, India, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Dalian, China, San Diego, California, Karachi, Pakistan, Harbin, China, Phoenix, Arizona, Porto Alegre, Brazil, Monterrey, Mexico. The World Economic Forum released their 2018 Global Risks Report, which cited, quote, water crises as the fifth highest risk to the planet over the next decade. Failure to mitigate and adapt to climate change was fourth on the list. <clears throat> what are the top three? And in the uh, category of no surprise there, depression and anxiety afflict Americans who are concerned with the fate of the environment. 
Got it. Depression and anxiety afflict Americans who are concerned with the fate of the environment. Most hard hit are women and people with low incomes who worry about the planet's long-term health. Mm. Symptoms include restless nights, feeling of loneliness and lethargy. Climate change is a persistent global stressor, mm. said Sabrina Helm, lead author of the paper and professor of family and consumer sciences at University of Arizona. Risks to mental health from climate change are a creeping development. 2017 mm. was the hottest year on record without El Nino boost. Data shows the year was also one of the hottest three ever recorded, with scientists warning that the climate tide is rising fast. A recent study has found rising temperatures and frequently reoccurring heat waves are reducing normal sperm in Australian birds. <clears throat> what does that mean for those birds? Well, <clears throat> they need sperm to reproduce people. Uh, a warm weather plague killed more than half of an endangered species in three weeks. What species was it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I lost <laughs> that my news page item number. <laughs> Over the span of three weeks in 2015, we covered this story actually a couple of years ago. More than 200,000 Saiga antelope, they, they live in the uh, Siberian steppe, suddenly died in central Kazakhstan. Scientists knew that bacteria called Pasteurella multocyta type B caused the mass death. Now, research suggests the bacteria was already present in the animals. It was triggered and became harmful because of a period of unusually warm weather. <sighs> Richard oh. Koch, a professor, witnessed the rapidly accelerating death. He says, you went from one to two animals to within three or four days, thousands dying. And then they were all dead by the seventh day. Now they've found that virtually 100% of the adult taiga already had the organism present in their bodies. An environmental factor triggered the bacteria to proliferate and killed the animals at the same time. So, heat and humidity there too. A new report says that humanitarian groups working along the U.S. border with Mexico have documented the systematic destruction of thousands of jugs of water left for migrants trekking north through the desert. Oh. And that U.S. Border Patrol agents are to blame. Published Wednesday by the Tucson-based groups no More, no More Deaths and La Coalición de Derechos Humanos, the report claims that from 2012 to 2015, volunteers found water gallons vandalized a total of 415 times during our study period, or more than twice a week on average. In all, 3,586 gallons of, waters, of water were vandalized during this time period. These actions condemn border crossers to suffering death and disappearance. The practice of destruction of and interference with aid is not the deviant behavior of a few rogue Border Patrol agents. It is a systematic mm. feature of enforcement practices in the borderlands. Oh, sick. 6,000 bodies have been found along the U.S. border with Mexico in the last 16 years. We'll talk a little bit more about that border <clears throat> later. President Trump's new five-year plan for offshore oil drilling, announced January 4th, represents an unprecedented increase in offshore leasing over the previous administration. By opening virtually the entire U.S. coast to offshore drilling, including areas previously unavailable to energy industry, the plan is set to increase the number of drilling pads, pipelines, and tankers operating in U.S. waters, and in all likelihood, the number of oil spills associated with them. Trump's plan puts 35 threatened and endangered species at risk, including whooping cranes, right whales, and northern sea otters. 
When babies crawl, their movement across floors, especially carpeted surfaces, kicks up high levels of dirt, skin cells, bacteria, pollen, and fungal spores. The infants inhale a dose of bio-bits. I'm not sure that's a technical term, bio-bits, in their lungs that is four times what an adult would breathe walking across the same floor. Now, I learned, incidentally, uh, in this same piece about the the amazing microbiome that comes from crawling across the floor for babies, that um, humans did not always crawl, and that crawling developed when we had homes with floors. Fascinating. Who knew? I just assumed humans always crawled, but apparently not. Apparently you need What did we do? We went straight from the crib to walking? Yeah. I mean, check it out. Because there were wolves and lions around, we had to like learn to run within seconds. Uh, interesting news this week, mostly about climate and heat, because of course it's the end of the year. So there's all this looking back at 2017, analysis of data. Yes, it was the hottest year. And then of course, all these amazing news items about how impactful that heat is. Sperm counts, you know, bacteria flourishing in, in the antelope, in Kazakhstan, yeah, it's just, it's happening, people. It's happening. And the EPA and the border guards just trying to kill us as fast as they can. Well, I, uh, you've left me and I dare say 87% of our listening audience full of anxiety, loneliness, right. And environmental depression. Right. Scientifically proven anxiety and depression. Because let me remind you, if you care about the environment, you're anxious. <laughs> but, re- but by reporting that we are depressed, do you make us depressed or, or do, you, do you fortify us to do something about the depression? Because now it's something we can put on the wall and print out. Now it's exterior you're, Are you giving us a little bit of a, a political option there, a, a little bit of fight back? Well, I was going to mention that in in terms of depression, next week we may have live video for our listeners, and we may actually... And that will depress them, (laughs) (laughs) because my head is too big for that screen. (laughs) That's right. We both have gigantic heads, and the truth is, if if we are on your phone, we might break it. You might break your iPhone. Both of our heads will not fit on your phone. You're going to have to move up. Your and pixels. I don't think an, I, I think an, an iPad or a, a reading pad, I don't want to brand your device. Maybe you don't have an iPad. Maybe you have a U-pad. Amen. You know, I have no idea what you have, but you're <laughs> going to need a bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very New York kind of aggressive. Uh, people, we are, are, we do, we have kept in the dark. We stayed in the radio world because of our large heads. And um, we don't have, there's no commercial hat available for Savitri or Billy's heads. We, we have to order special or have the <laughs> hats re-sewn. <laughs> order special. Yeah. Shucks, I got to order my hat special. That is a special hat you done ordered there, Billy. He, he got a big hat, <laughs> but he got no cattle. Amen. Well, the, the, uh, the, uh. As you said, we have, we have a theme about borders, partly because of uh, our friend Ravi from the base section of the Stop Shopping Choir just experienced being um, detained and flown to Miami 
And then uh, lawyers were able to persuade the judge to, or maybe more than one judge, to fly him back to New York for uh, a trial which has been, I think, teased out of the woodwork by uh, the lawyers. A, I think it's a lawsuit, technically, trying desperately to keep our friend here. Uh, he's lived in the United States for more than 20 years. Uh, he's, he has had children here. He's married to an American citizen. He was swept into a a uh, a fraud that uh, he was a telemarketer at a company that was doing bad things. Uh, anyway, he did his time. He was already had an in incompetent lawyer. For years. It's just it's just a, a perfect storm of incompetent, not just lawyers, but immoral government. Well, the problem He's is an American. We can't start. Um, the the immigration process can't be about bad guys and good guys. You know that that's we're doomed to fail if that's the the way we we judge people. I mean we we are not uh, we don't have a great track record in this country. You know our prison system is not fair. It's not just. It's, it's racist. It's full of inaccuracies. Racist. Period. It's deeply racist. So to start applying that again to like this other huge group of people in the population and then to divide them by saying like oh look there's these wonderful young dreamers and they're really good and then there's these other people who are humans who've had lives and things have happened to and gotten swept up who in have situations. had trump's rhetoric of rape rape and and Just drugs attached them somehow even for progressive people they get painted with those words these are dilemmas we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, this isn't how we should make our policy it should be based on goodness or badness Every one of us is a, has good. Every one of us has the solution. I think that even the, think of the worst person you can think of, bankers, <laughs> certain police, I would say, people that you just can't imagine showing Ravi the, the compassion. But as radical people. The citizenship that he should have. As radical people, it's our obligation to remove those those Stigma. voices from our heads. I mean, we are not police. We are not judges. I am not judging other humans. It's not, you know, I'm an anarchist. My point was, I think that I think a part of I think a part of these people that are uh, becoming so abusive, uh, apparently with the with the direction given to them by this thug clown Trump, uh, they they also have in them some good that we have to find. Ravi keeps saying that. Uh, he he teaches. Ravi teaches us. Well, uh, here's another teacher and a, a belated birthday shout out to Mr. David Bowie. Amen. Dr. One of my Bowie, favorite songs. sing it to us. Can we be heroes?
Welcome back, David Bowie, the Thin White Duke, singing it. Oof. Can I be a hero for two days? Two, yeah, I know. And also, I don't believe in heroes. What about a week? But I love this song. Okay. Uh, we are so excited. We have Ricardo Dominguez uh, on the line here. Ricardo, uh, a, a hero of the resistance, I have to tell you, co-founder of the Electronic Disturbance Theater, uh, a group who developed a virtual sit-in technologies in solidarity with the Zapatistas, uh, Floodnet, maybe you've heard of that. Um, and his more recent work, the Bang Lab, created uh, the Transborder Immigrant Tool, which he's going to tell us all about. He's a professor at UC San Diego, and right now he's up at Cornell in a fellowship. Ricardo, Ricardo. welcome to the Earth Wants You. Hello. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Ricardo, we always start by asking um, our guests to describe their favorite place on Earth. Gosh, my favorite place on Earth. Well, I guess for me, it's a rather odd, but uh, New York-centric uh, space. There used to be in Chinatown this fabulous double-feature movie theater. I believe it was called the Music Box mm -hmm. in the old days. Mm, amen. And, and I used to love to go there on a hot uh, August uh, day. Uh, it was inexpensive, $5.00 double feature of Hong Kong films. And for me, in the heat of uh, an August New York. It, it was, was air conditioned. Sheer heaven. Oh, yeah. And I can imagine the smell of that street. I can just smell it right now. The slight fish, the sweet fish <laughs> smell. And Yeah, yeah. Well, you oh, know, yeah. and you would have delicious food right afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was just something that uh, lingers in my memory as kind of uh, just a uh, uh, a heavenly place for those of you who have lived through New York City in <laughs> August. Oh yes, and uh, who can resist a great Hong Kong movie? Well, every every city has a Chinatown. So, you know, I think that, I think that I think that you we our viewers out in international land are are uh, are not are not disinvited from this show as a result of your New York Central. No, 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 not at all. I'm sure there is a heaven in every locale. <laughs> yeah, and we don't like chauvinism generally, but New York City chauvinism, we feel okay about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, York Alulia. <laughs> New York Alulia. Yeah, yeah. Ricardo, uh, uh, well, I know you've yes, been doing a lot of work, and I, I just want to mm -hmm. open it up right away. Can you talk to us about your um, incredible um, tool Tr that transporter, you've been Transporter. Migratory tool. Yeah, the uh, TBT, the Transporter Immigrant Tool, actually began as a gesture in 2007 uh, because, um, uh, as Reverend Billy knows, I was working uh, as an artist and doing collective work on a uh, number of projects, uh, Reclaim the Streets, uh, of course, uh, the church to... Uh, stop uh, shopping, and anyway, a wide variety of different groups. But my focus was primarily in the digital. And that is, we had a theory in the early 80s, before I got to New York, about electronic civil disobedience. And so we were able to develop that uh, with the Zapatistas and others, as you have pointed out. And then uh, one of the elements of the work is it's always collaborative. And so during the 80s and 90s, as these things were developing, 
uh, when things became digital, um, even before browsers, a lot of the community I worked with, I never uh, met uh, face-to-face. And one of my longtime collaborators, artist Brett Stahlbaum, happened to be teaching at the University of California, San Diego, in the visual arts department uh, where I uh, got a position. So it was an extraordinary moment. I was actually able to meet this longtime collaborator. And, uh, uh, And what occurred was that in 2000, the via the kindness of the funding of uh, civil society that had been given over the years to the military, they developed this thing called GPS or global positioning system. And out of their kindness, uh, they gave that uh, uh, ability in 2000 to the, of course, commercial groups, uh, but also just individuals who might be interested in this global positioning system. Um, and early uh, work was done post-2000 by uh, artists using locative media. Uh, but one of the things that struck me at that time was that it was a very urban-based, mm-hmm. uh, that it was uh, really about uh, a city-based uh, use of this GPS system, mm-hmm. uh, even for critical artistic practice. Mm-hmm. Um and one of the things that Brett Stahlbaum, who is really my hero, uh, he's really uh, somebody who deeply loves uh, the land. He lives out at the edge of the Anza Borrego area in mm-hmm. Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, talks to tarantulas or what have you. Amen. And, um, <laughs> uh, he's my Dr. Doolittle mm-hmm. as well. And uh, not only uh, is he uh, somebody of that deep earth quality, but also somebody deeply involved in thinking about artivism, thinking about the digital and its many uses. And he and his partner, uh, artist Paula Poole, as I said, they live out there and they also love to trek a hike in these, what I think are are fairly dangerous desert-like environments. And uh, one of the qualities of their kind of research out in the land is that they also, uh, you know, get lost. And this is, of course, one of the most dangerous things that can happen to somebody, uh, Mm -hmm. even if you're well acquainted with an environment or a territory. So, of course, what uh, she and Brett did, Paula and Brett, is they developed a virtual hiker system circa 2005 and it it was a a sort of a a micro ai uh, bright enough to sort of prefabricate a a dangerous walk across these desert environments that they so that they so deeply loved and then bring them back Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. with the idea of of some safety and i thought you know that was really a unique uh, quality of locative media or GPS-based uh, art practice in that it was no longer just focused on an urban environment, right. you know, where to get Amen. a better coffee. Or, uh, and it was about um, this unique uh, land uh, walk, uh, walking art, uh, earth art on a digital level. And uh, having coffee with him then in early 2007, I began to speculate with him 
about what other uses this kind of uh, uh, GPS system, which I now call dislocative media because mm-hmm. it's no longer urban-based. Amen. Creating and, language here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably the, the basic job I have in my life. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, he began to think about uh, perhaps some cheap platforms, and I began to think, well, what uh, uh, we do understand about the U.S.-Mexican border mm-hmm. is, of course, that the environment has been weaponized mm-hmm. Uh, through the long history of uh, the U.S.-Mexican border, and that even Operation Gatekeeper in 1994 uh, that uh, established uh, the San Diego-Tijuana border uh, wall uh, was really pushing uh, immigrants, uh, refugees, uh, into the desert uh, with the protocol that a large quantity of those individuals would die. Mm -hmm. So they were really weaponizing this desert. Mm -hmm. Uh, People would get lost. They would be dehydrated. And so we began to think that it would be possible to find an inexpensive uh, platform, that is a cell phone, uh, that would be open to us manipulating uh, the midlet code to redesign it with this virtual hiker that would help people uh, uh, navigate uh, safely through this weaponized desert environment. Oh, my God. Um, And uh, very soon, uh, we were able to find a very inexpensive cell phone, an iMotorola 335 that was under $20, and we could buy batches of them on eBay using my research funds at uh, an edge technology research center that I work at called Cal IT2, California Information Technology 2, where I was running this lab called Bang Lab, Bits, Atoms, Neurons, and Genes. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang Silly Lab. Stuff. <laughs> Bang Lab. Uh, we're cheap and we make big noise. Uh, and uh, so, so you it was distributed, the, about you distributed these cell phones to. To people well, who no, are... the, well, the thing, the thing that happened, Billy, and uh, was that first we needed to start working with NGOs who uh, were leaving water on the U.S.-Mexico uh, border uh-huh. because it became evident to us that, uh, sure, you could help somebody walk somewhat safely through the desert, but... The real issue is people being dehydrated. Right. And here, and here were these amazing NGOs like um, uh, Water Station Inc. and Border Angels in Southern California, who had been doing since 2000, you know, this hard, difficult activist work on, on a weekly basis mm. of leaving water. Going out there, le- and, leaving water. Yeah, and it's, uh, again, Water Station Inc. and Border Angels, uh, two of the many great groups uh, all along the U.S.-Mexico border. But what was interesting to us about these two groups was that they were uh, in the Anza Borrego area, where in San Diego is just a few miles away. And so working with them, first we had to convince them that we were trying to develop a tool that worked. Right. Uh, And that we wanted to make sure that they understood how it worked and that it was all right with them that uh, we could then have the locative wave points of Mm. where they leave water. The locative what points? Wave points. Uh, They're called locative wave points. So what happens is when you use 
W E I like the wave like uh, W A V E ah, ah. like good. the wave of the ocean. And so uh you know once you know it took uh about 2 years. So we started in 2007. We began dialogue with them uh you know uh, some the Border Angels, which are a radical Chicano group, you know, they were welcoming of the idea, but they weren't really sure it would be, it would actually work. Right. I mean, I, I'm sure walk. also you, you confront the problem of being artists and explaining to activists what, why art matters or that you're not just artists. You're also artists trying to do something or, I mean, there's that whole tension that exists between artists and activists sometimes. But wait a minute. Now exactly. you haven't, you haven't talked to them about the poetry part of it yet. Well, no, not not yet, because we were just initiating that. But we did try to make clear that we were artivists, that we were communist, uh, since some of them thought we might be communist. Uh, we said, <laughs> no, we're communist. Or, you know, we think about a shared common uh, commons anyway. But uh, it, but it's. You know, we had to go out there and work with them, which made sense, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, people just, uh, I think that tradition of artists just parachuting in is okay. But, you know, for this sort of project, it it needed long-term relationship building. And uh, eventually, uh, we then presented that we were going to have poetry in multiple languages, uh, experimental and survival poetry. What is survival course, poetry, Ricardo? Uh, well, uh, Amy Sarah Carroll is an experimental poet and border scholar who started working with us at that time. And what she did is that she read uh, military uh, survival manuals mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. uh, mm. where they train uh, soldiers to survive right. in the desert. Evasion and escape uh, manuals, yeah. Yeah, I love and then and and then she began to analyze kind of the environment of the Southern California uh, territory, and so she developed twenty-four poems that would allow somebody to be able to understand that, say, the water barrel cactus always leans to the north. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you would get an image of this water barrel on this little tiny phone. It would give you a poem in multiple languages on on how to read this territory, uh, where not to lie down, uh, you know, what, how to move in the territory. What's so So fascinating, Ricardo, about Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is that, you know, you're using this modern technology, these phones and GPS and but it's a it's an ancient technology, you know. It's like the song lines or or the songs that women sang, you know, riding the currents between Alaska and the uh, across the Bering Straits. I mean, the idea that that a, a song or a poem or or language could uh, carry you across space. I mean, Be some people think that's the origin of language, right? That language was developed to give directions. And I I agree with you in that. Uh, this element of adding uh, poetry also developed within this uh, frame of the technology, which we called the witching tool. Uh, And that is part of the connection between the poetry and the code was that it functioned uh, in the tradition of a water dousing stick. Mm. (laughs) And that uh, which has carries with it directionality, a kind of witchcraft, if Mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's part of this territory of finding what 
is below the underground, if you will. And, and so what happens is that as the poems articulate uh, ways to survive in this weaponized environment because of the policies that we have and the history that we have, uh, the phone also vibrates uh, in, in a haptic manner if you're headed in the right direction. Wow. Uh, because, you know, you might be too tired and not be able to read the kind of simple uh, compass. Uh, you might not be able to see the image of the barrel cactus, but then you can sense that the phone vibrates if you're headed in the right direction. Oh, now, Ricardo, beautiful. have you been able mm-hmm. to work with um, migrants in the in the Mediterranean at all who I know are facing similar hazard? I mean, very different, but similar hazards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that occurred was uh, the project, the Transporter Immigrant Tool, uh, in as we were reaching the last stages of the prototype, came under uh, investigation by Congress. You know, uh, uh, they called us uh, traitors to the nation, right. the FBI, uh, my own university tried to detenure me. And, Glenn and so Beck, what uh, Accused you of dissolving the nation. You were dissolving yeah, our country. With poetry. Yeah, <laughs> with poetry. poetry. Wow. Yeah, nation and, uh, dissolving and he, poetry. Well, you know, for Reverend Billy, you know, when uh, people have uh, are skeptical about music and gestures and performance uh, activating the world, you can certainly, you know, say, well, poetry can dissolve. Uh, borders and nations, at least to Glenn Beck, right? But one of the things that occurred out of that kind of uh, uh, intense uh, cycle of of, uh, institutional and social attack on the project, which I know all of you are constantly facing, you know, um, as well, was that what we did is we released the code the walking tools uh, code immediately as soon as we came under investigation Wow! Uh, with the hope that other groups out there, even if we were never able to accomplish our, uh, our original gesture, at least the code could move globally mm-hmm. and other groups uh, facing these sort of issues could take on the project oh, within amen. their own territory. Mm-hmm. And uh, what happened was that a group of artists and activists and communities uh, facing the uh, uh, long, uh, you know, movement and flow of humanity across the Mediterranean uh, began this uh, um, project called uh, Alarm Phone. And the Alarm Phone, uh, alarm phone Project, uh, which I think is on in year three now, could be year four, uh, what it does is that through Facebook, through Twitter, through these various platforms, communities that are going to attempt to cross the Mediterranean can have a telephone number which they can activate and then the group is able to watch them mm. and begin to coordinate uh, uh, fishing trawlers, uh, yachts, uh, ferries for flight uh, in the area that these communities are moving through in the Mediterranean. And because they know that Frontex, Frontex which is the border patrol of the EU, you know, might not help those communities. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. This activates an alarm phone, again, in multiple languages. Uh, They're able to use GPS to locate those groups. And there are groups of artists uh, out of Hamburg uh, who have these tugboats, uh, and they've been doing fundraising to get some more, that they turn into community art galleries. Mm. Uh, And then in order to help flight facilitation as they take on uh, community uh, in these uh, very inadequate uh, uh, boats, uh, that they they then become, uh, you know, your Sunday museum goer community uh, with uh, children being able to draw. Uh, and uh, so they're no longer these, uh, uh, you know, uh, a kind of zombified uh, uh, targets uh, that the EU uh, and the U.S. constantly does for immigrants and refugees, but they become part of a global cultural right. uh, condition. Um, and in the end, I, I think the, all these projects are a way to establish not only a critique of the North and its long-term racial uh, policies and scripting of the border, but uh, to re-enunciate that the communities uh, south of the global equator have as deep uh, a cultural, uh, conceptual understanding of the world, of poetry, of art, of uh, what it means to have a social uh, existence of meaning, uh, and that they are not these kind of uh, uh, swarms of zombies coming to take your your job. Earth, hallelujah. Or your, mm-hmm. or your, or your, or your children, or your, <laughs> Ricardo, yeah, yeah, I, or, or your religion. Or, Thank you so much for um, explaining that to us. Um, That's a good note in which to conclude. I feel that I, I will, I will think about space differently. I will think about movement across um, Brooklyn. Well, yeah, across Brooklyn. But uh, the idea of weaponized <laughs> space is is um, particularly interesting to us right now as we as we see this incredible escalation in detentions and deportations across the country um, here in New York City. Our, our movement leaders are, are being detained and, and threatened with deportation. Um, the, the weaponized space of, of DHS and ICE and the way they're coming into people's homes, into, into courtrooms, into hospitals, um, you know, all of us have to acknowledge the weaponizing of our immediate space around us right now and what's going on and how can we help um, the way your tool has helped so many, you know, just the idea of your tool is helpful, right? You don't even have to make the tool necessarily for it to be helpful because it opens up all this space for us. So, and the urban well, I think, rural, I think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the urban rural binary, maybe, uh, you know, when you were, don't lie down there, well, I thought immediately of a homeless person lying down in a dangerous place uh, because I'm, because I'm so urban but there is a way that the natural world exists here in the center of these 15 million people. Well, and also in this sort of post-globalized society we're living in, you know, the borders are right here too. I mean, obviously here in New York City, where there's at least 600,000 undocumented people in the city of New York, you know, where's the border for them, right? It's it's not the Sonoran Desert necessarily. It's not the Mediterranean. It, it might be walking to the subway. Navigating their exactly. neighborhoods. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, You know, we say that borderization is globalization Mm -hmm. and globalization is borderization. And we've seen borders move away from what we imagine is the traditional Mm -hmm. all the way uh, to, as you have pointed out, uh, the block by block border. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And uh, indeed, we have to seek out spatial justice um, in the face of this kind of global borderization. Well, you are our teacher, and we thank you for being with us today, Ricardo. We're grateful today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Earth hallelujah to you both. Ricardo Dominguez, Electronic Disturbance Theater, Bang, the Bang Lab. Amen. What a sonorous voice to talk about the Sonoran Desert. Hey, let's go to Reverend Billy's sonorous voice, the Fiery Eagles of Justice, fresh out of the studio yesterday, right? Yes, it's a a song to our friend Ravi Rockbeer. Ravi, now in a New York jail, not a Miami jail, a song to you. Ravi, what have we done? Ravi, this is your home. Ravi, we'll wait for you. Ravi, what have we done? Evict our brother. Delete our dreamer. Detain ourselves. Deport ourselves. Take back the giving. Fear the trusting. Forget our family. Leave our country. like we do to you what we do to ourselves it's like we do to ourselves we do to you it's like we hate our own loving hate our own loving Eagles of Justice. Love you, love you, love. And now it's time for Extinction's Got Talent. Today's creature, the African forest elephant, a forest-dwelling species of elephant found in the Congo Basin. It is the smallest of the three extant species of elephant, but still one of the largest living terrestrial animals. From an estimated population of over 2 million prior to the colonization of Africa, the population in 2015, it was estimated to be about 100,000 forest elephants. Due to a slower birth rate, the forest elephant takes longer to recover from poaching, which caused its population to fall by 65% from 2002 to 2014. The elephant's feet are sensitive and can detect vibrations through the ground, whether it's thunder or elephant calls from up to 10 miles away. And forest elephants disperse more intact seeds 
than any other species or genus of large vertebrate in any African forest, which means they are critical to the ecosystem of which they are a part. And now we'll listen to the sound of the African forest elephant. The forest yeah. elephants Earth carve these beautiful paths through the forest as they walk from place to place and they gather for genetic mixing in these uh, pits where they wash each other with clay and minerals. They're very, very beautiful animals. You mean they make love in pits? Well, you know, they're clan-based creatures um, and so it's important for them to meet other clans for genetic diversity. But... Af- uh, the forest elephants, even more than uh, the other elephants, um, there's no males walking around with them. The males are totally on their own. The male elephants are not with the females. It's little groups like six to ten animals, sisters, daughters, and then it, it, when they go through puberty, or what is it called? The must. I think it's called must. Um, <laughs> I must. The men are. Leave. The men. The male. Elephants leave. And, you know, uh, I read this amazing story about this young man who discovered this new technique for, um, well, for male dysfunction. So he was wandering and he found a geode. Do you know what a geode is? It's like a, a, a rock the size of your skull, kind of like a big round rock. And then you split it open and on the inside it's all crystals. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. So he discovered that if you take this special clay, it's almost like slime. It's like this special slimy clay, and you put it, you pack it into the geode crystals. It's like the elephants making love, that kind of clay. Yeah, similar. Interesting. Anyway, then you have to, you you know, you have to, for erectile dysfunction, then you you lay your dysfunction (laughs) into the slimy geode. And you let it rest there. And I guess there's some healing properties that the clay and the, the crystals have at the same time. Crystals. How long, how Crystal. long do you put it in there for? I think, you know, Viagra. for as long as you can, I guess. I don't know if it's comfortable Crystal to sleep Viagra. that way. Or maybe like you sit at your computer and you just like put it on the <laughs> chair. I'm not really sure. He didn't really go into that. But he's kind of like a prodigy healer, this kid. And so he f- discovered this. Yeah. Excuse me. I want to let I people know. Fly. 
Um, if they want to get involved with the immigration movement here in New York City, especially a new sanctuary coalition, there are sanctuary groups around the country. You're going to segue um, right from that new age wormhole. Now is the time, citizens. Now is the time, citizens, the serious business to get involved and to help uh, our friends and uh, fellow humans in their struggle uh, for livable habitat, for somewhere to be, for somewhere to live, for some home space, for a home place, you know? So we, we have to help each other now. Find a meeting and go to it, okay? Yes, the, the, the immigration rights movement is in all of our cities, in all of our towns, uh, in the rural areas. It, uh, we, each of us defines our own compassion, our idea of citizenship and community by this, by working against the racism and sexism and classism, the misunderstood nation-state idea, let's just say the cruelty, the cruelty of keeping, of tearing families apart, of sending people back to a place where uh, they may be murdered. Uh, this is something we've got to do together. And many, many citizens in towns are declaring themselves not cooperative uh, with the murderous uh, directives of our, of our mentally ill president, um, not cooperative with the, the conservative 1%, uh, the right-wing apocalyptic Christian element, the evangelicals and so forth, but rather... Um, Opening up, opening, opening up our hearts. And that is not just doing the right thing. It's also doing the mysterious thing for lots of us. We haven't been brave this way. We haven't been extending our, our own safety uh, in, into areas of, 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 an, am, of ambiguous law uh, where old-fashioned laws applied literally are cruel and kill, uh, but where an imagination where uh, compassion, the kind of compassion that we have in a gift economy, it's like the gift economy of the soul. We give uh, and don't know for sure what will be returned. We help someone, we hide someone, give them sanctuary. We, we send food and medicine. We, we help lawyers who are combating these, these racist laws. We help in some way and don't know for sure. It's not like shopping. We don't know what we're getting back. But then in a gift economy, we give, don't have money coming back. We give to someone who gives and doesn't have money coming back and gives and gives and gives and gives and money's never the issue. And a large, beautiful spiral goes out across through space and time. That's that community that has to cross borders. Borders are always old-fashioned. Borders are never new. Borders are conservative. I mean in the bad use of that word. It's, it's a pejorative use of the word conservative. Borders are old. The imagination is evolution. The imagination comes from the natural world that we have inside of ourselves. It's, it's the ecosystem of the forest elephant. It's the, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the imagination of the miraculous release of new things unguessable, brilliant new things that come to us just from the force of life. It's like that divining, dowsing, 
uh, uh, magic that Ricardo Dominguez was talking about earlier. It's, it's, a, it's a, a psychological state of readiness. It's being open to the sky, to the earth, to the soil, to the biosphere, to the life around us. Then things happen beyond a hope. Earthalluyah. We will cross that border. We will wash out that border and tear down that wall. Amen. Amen. Amen, Reverend Billy. Thank you for listening today. Earthalluyah. The Earth Wants You is a project of The Church of Stop Shopping, a radical performance community based in New York City. We rely on you. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you want to support our work, and what is our work? We resist consumerism. We resist the military. We resist the commodification of the Earth and her resources. Earthalluya people, join us. RevBilly.com.